Hello, and welcome to our Liturgy for Life podcast. Uh, my name is Callie Green, and I'm one of the pastors at Terrytown United Methodist Church. And today we get to continue our exploring of scripture and life and how we connect and understand the two together. And this week we have a special treat, which is that I've given Connor the power to take over the podcast. So he is going to lead our discussion today, and we are excited about that. So why don't you hit us off, Connor? I can feel the eye rolls from my living room. He's got power. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, if you don't know, my name's Connor. I'm the director of high school ministries here at Terrytown United Methodist. Um, and uh, Callie and I have done this podcast a couple of times. She's been kind of heading it up and uh, she so graciously gave me uh, some free reign to do a little bit of yakking this afternoon. Um, as in, I threw it at him at the last minute because I wasn't inspired this week. That's that's how it works, man. That's how. Welcome to our efficiency. Um, also Teamwork. with us is uh, Roland, if you want to introduce yourself real quick. Hi, my name is uh, Roland Barreda. I work on the music ministry team here, uh, concentrating on 930 and 11 sanctuary music. So I'm happy to be here in a non-music capacity. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Am I singing or doing a dance? <laughs> Both. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but um, one of the things we try to explore with this uh, podcast are just kind of different things happening in our uh, world right now. And one thing in the last couple of weeks and months with this whole COVID situation, a, um, a couple of different verses have been swimming around in my head quite a bit. Um, the uh, first one that we're gonna, I'm gonna kind of dive in through. Uh, if you want to um, pull it up while we discuss, um, if you're one of my youth, you know I love to dive into Ecclesiastes all the time. So if they're listening to this, they are also probably rolling their eyes um, for how often I dig this one up. Uh, but Ecclesiastes <laughs> four nine through twelve, um, I've loved this verse. I love this book. I love this verse for a long time, um, and uh, it's real quick. So I guess I can just read it real quick. Um, and it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, and a big reason why I love Ecclesiastes is just because I think how... It, at the same time, can blanket over so many things, but yet can also really kind of dig into a lot of um, intimate layers of those topics. Um, and I've loved that verse for a long time. Um, and so I think the way I kind of wanted to dive in that look at it was that we've learned, I think, in the last couple of weeks that the human-to-human -human interaction we had become a little unsure of in our world um, is more crucial than we thought. Uh, prior to COVID-19, we had still been wondering what role virtual tools could play in our lives. I'm pretty confident that virtual tools will still be leaned on as we move forward in any kind of post-COVID situation, especially after how hard the globe has leaned on these tools. Um, and I think more tools will still be imp implemented, um, but these tools do not provide a space in which we can pick our brothers and sisters up, as that verse mentions. Um, screens cannot suffice in penetrating the deepest of personal, emotional, and spiritual layers that humans have. Uh, the movement of how we communicate is often lost in these virtual ways. Uh, they can supplement meetings, check-ins, and happy hours, but when our hearts and souls need community, there is no replacement for flesh and blood. 
I'm also confident that Jesus would probably lean on virtual tools in our time, as many churches have, but I doubt he would have Zoomed the Last Supper, <laughs> though he would have probably honored the social distancing rules. My point here is, if given the option between a virtual and in-person meal, he would have picked in-person. Amen. Uh, at least that's where I'd put my money. Yeah. Uh, the metaphor here being that Jesus gathered his disciples, followers, and those he taught to reach around one another. Uh, he shared meals with them, washed their feet. Mm. The intimacy of touch of a shared meal of being face to face is so crucial to our growth as neighbors and as Christians. Uh, so with that in mind, I ask what moments for you cannot be replicated with screens or if some moments can, what are those? Well, my job is working with the choir. So that involved human interaction. Uh, and that has been the biggest challenge, I think, for me, not being in front of a group of voices on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. Um, yes, I'm gathered in front of them on a virtual connection with Zoom, and that's a wonderful platform, but we can't do the same things we do on Wednesday nights in rehearsals. We can't do the same things we do uh, on Sunday morning in worship because it's corporate. And as much as technology is advanced, it's just hard to get 24, you know, 25 singers to do something on Zoom at the same time and make it sound harmonious. You know, it's just going to be cacophony. So I would say that's the biggest challenge I've had, like what's been missing and that's been missing is that time of fellowship in front of uh, people where we can, you know, just lift our voices together. And, and that's the challenge now because choirs are are used to being in close proximity to one another, but now post-corona, post-pandemic, how are we going to better protect one another? So that's a big challenge for me now. You know, how am I going to make my choir room a safe space for everybody? But in the, I guess on the opposite side of the coin, the positive side is that, you know, we can do this from home, the comfort of our home. There's no longer this kind of excuse of, oh, Mopac was backed up or, um, you know, you still get the whole kids had homework kind of stuff that keeps people from being on time or keep impedes on, on their availability. But I think this has been a great tool to connect with people kind of in their vulner vulnerability because, I mean, you're getting to see into people's homes if they allow you to do that. It's just like a, a newer connection. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I think I'd agree a little bit that it has, to some extent, kind of dropped this veil of pseudo-professional professionalism that mm -hmm. I think we try to carry a lot as a people. Um, and not that, you know, like, carrying yourself professionally is a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, it, it's kind of knocked down that whole, uh, a little bit at least, of kind of vibe of I have to be 100% for everybody all the time. Um because, yeah, how do you, I mean, you can't really get more into someone's home than when we do our services on Sundays virtually. And literally everybody has a camera pointed at one another and you can see the living room and people <laughs> picking their nose and sleeping and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Which uh, I'm running a count, by the way. Um, <laughs> how many people are sleeping? Yeah. We had, a, we had a conference meeting with all the clergy and there was one who was like on the front page of the gallery. It was like hardcore was asleep on the, the table. Nod. Uh, well, I mean, like, even like all jokes aside, like that's, I think that's kind of to piggyback off what Roland said. I think that's huge. Like, I think that that breakdown of that kind of that pseudo professionalism or that, like, I have to be perfect all the time for everybody else that can kind of become a chore and become exhausting. It can kind of unintentionally put up a wall. Um, so I think the benefit of this, like Roland said, is that it can kind of like 
make this a little bit more lackadaisical almost of just kind of, I mean, I'm sitting here in old soccer shorts and a cutoff. And yeah, y'all got my sewing yeah. machine in the background, you know? Yeah, half the time we're doing a service, I'm letting my dog in and out of the door behind me. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of shaped a little bit how, kind of what's really important socially when to an extent. Um, I know that's a whole other thing we could dive off of. But um. what, One of the things that your question made me think of um, is riding in an airplane. Um, mm-hmm. And that in, that intimacy of touch, because I mean, there's nothing like sitting and coaching an airplane, like you are so close mm-hmm. to another stranger, like your arms are touching, like, I mean, I've had people fall asleep on my shoulder and I'm like, well, this is awkward, but whatever, <laughs> you know, you just kind of roll with it sometimes. Um, but it's that forced intimacy. And, you know, after a eight, 14, 16 hour flight, um, I mean, I sat with this, I don't know. I guess he was like eight year old kid on my way to South Africa. Um, and we were flying to Dubai and it was a really long flight and we were playing tic-tac-toe together. And he was telling me about his family and his house and how he hadn't seen his aunt in Dubai in a long time. I mean, like never in my life would I have had this conversation with this kid on the street. Like it would have been so inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. And yet his parents were right there. I was there. They gave me, they brought me cookies that I couldn't eat. And I was like, here, kid, have my cookies. You know, um, like, yeah. it was just that forced into intimacy of being close together. And I'm on the edge of introverted and extroverted and, but definitely have a lot of social anxiety. And so for me, like I find I have to force myself, like even going to church sometimes, just being with all the people and all of the things and be like, I'm going to mm. be in this room. Like that's something I have to like kind of gear myself up for sometimes. And, um, and so it's weird not having to do that, but then like the instant flip on of a video, but like I can still point the camera, like, <laughs> like y'all are seeing my sewing machine right now, but you're not seeing the table that's like piled in. <laughs> every project that I've started since quarantine, you know? Um, And so there, there is a type of intimacy in being in people's home, but I feel like that forced intimacy of just like, I'm sitting by you in a pew and you can't Mm. escape me because of social norms is it's lost and it doesn't, you know, and it's so hard and worship for people who I haven't connected with. Cause I can call someone I know well from church and connect with them and continue mm-hmm. to check on them. But for a visitor, for someone who I don't know well, there's just not that same level of forced community of just the joy of being together and worshiping together and being in a room together and just experiencing the world through the same lens. Yeah, yeah, totally. I definitely have found that I miss like kind of the messiness of being in the office sometimes. Like one of the, oh, yeah. the most, I've talked about this so much. I don't know if I've told y'all, but Haley was there, um, our middle school director. Uh, it was one of the last couple of days before we had the stay at home order. And uh, one of the other pastors here at Terrytown, uh, Abby Parker Herrera, had her little daughter Cora with her. Who's one of Super the cute. cutest little kids I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and yeah. she came into my office and just kind of like stood in the doorway for a minute and kind of looked at me and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And she just goes, the first words out of her mouth were, hi, my favorite foods, mashed potatoes. Do you have any cousins? And I was like, well, this conversation's going to be awesome. <laughs> and it was just like one of the most delightful, just wonderful, goofy, you know, I was in the middle of trying to do something. Um, but just like that kind of the weird tempo of, of all that, um, that, that being the metaphor for kind of a lot of our old day today. Um, I think we found that um, 
we can miss. But I think Roland, were you about to say something? I didn't mean to cut yeah, you. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of routines that I've lost are from like like Sunday morning. You know, we've not been able to gather in our church for eight weeks, going on eight weeks. So there's just this sense of uh, kind of I don't know how to phrase it correctly, but I just feel like I've kind of lost a sense of purpose in the morning on Sundays because, you know, you have to get out the door, you have to arrive at church and find parking, which is usually the longest um, part of the Sunday morning. No, I'm kidding. But, um, uh, but you know, it's just that, that moment of gathering with one another in the sanctuary is something that I really yearn for. Um, I didn't realize till you know, this pandemic, how much I relied on my relationships with other people and how much I, I thrive from that. So, I mean, of course, if you're an extroverted person, this is just reminding you of how much you um, yearn for that connection with, with others. So I guess it's something that I'm grateful for when we can gather again, uh, just to be with one another and of course, doing it safely, you know, post-pandemic, yeah. post-corona. I was saying, like, I feel like so much of my job, um, lately has been you know getting worship ready and i've been like doing all of the putting the videos up during worship of you know the pre-recorded songs and things like that and putting together the liturgy um and so i feel like i'm still a pastor but so little of my job right now involves actually pastoring people directly which is normally at least on sunday even if i have a weird technical week mm-hmm. like i'm still connecting with tons of people and so now it just sort of feels like this weird like am I doing my job? (laughs) Like, I'm not really sure. I'm busy, but I'm not sure if I'm doing my job. And so it's just, it's tricky. Oh yeah. Haley and I, Haley and I always joke that we're the pizza party people. Like our jobs are like fellowship with our (laughs) teens. You know what I mean? And so it's just like so weird to not be able to go do goofy stuff around the church and like engage in fellowship and these great talks that we used to have all the time. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been a, it's definitely a, a weird a weird thing of not feeling like I'm doing what I am supposed to be doing, but that all kind of segues pretty well into the next uh, topic I kind of wanted to hit, um, which uh, is I kind of looked at through the lens of Luke 12, 22 through 26, I think Did I go uh-huh. all the way to yeah. 26. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is, uh, let's see here. Um, you want me to read it? If you want to, sure, go ahead. Yeah. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Good stuff. Um, yeah. I've always liked that one a lot too. Um, there's, uh, if you're also one of my youth, you know that I probably quote song lyrics just about as much as I quote scripture. Um, and there's been a number of lyrics that kind of tied into that, um, uh, that I've kind of had swimming around in my head. Um, there's an actual folk song called consider the Ravens um, that I thought about mentioning, um, but I went with another one. Um, it's a song called Delight and Angers. Uh, it's by a, 
mm-hmm. band that I will probably only enjoy out of this group. Um, if you don't know me as well, you probably, if you do know me, you know that I enjoy the music of a heavier variety. Um, so you probably won't like the song, but it's by a Swedish band called Inflamed. Uh, it's off of an album called A Sense of Purpose. Uh, it's got a lot of great uh, lyrics on it. But anyway, the opening verse to this song called Delight and Angers is uh, every day takes figuring out how to live. Sometimes it feels like a mistake. Sometimes it's a winner's parade. Delight and angers. I guess that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I've always kind of not thought that that lyric is analogous to that verse, but I think they kind of tie in um, to that kind of idea of worry, um, that idea of kind mm-hmm. of like self-doubt. Um, but anyway, that all kind of goes into what I had uh, thought about a little bit more deeply, um, considering our routines four months ago that we sometimes loathed um, kept us a little bit more grounded than we thought, um, as we kind of have alluded to uh, over the last little bit here. Um, and I hope that this can kind of bring about a new way of thinking and looking at our day-to-day and that not every moment needs to be a performance as a lot of virtual and social media has taught us it kind of needs to be or should be. Um, and I hope that this can kind of bring about a new idea of being okay with quiet and being okay with stillness. Um, and I think the biggest challenge uh, for a lot of folks with this whole stay at home order has been the fact that for the first time or not the first time, but um, for the first time in a long while um, we've had to, or our days have lacked this noise that we got used to and accustomed to. Um, And we've had nothing to do, but kind of sit at home and be still with our thoughts, which can be tough. Um, so, um, my next question is what has challenged you or or were you challenged rather by having to be still, uh, during our stay at home orders? And if so, what thoughts and feelings had you struggled with? And also where in scripture do we see stillness being a positive? If you can think of anything. That was like four questions. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) I think for (laughs) me, one of the things I've struggled with is, I mean, I've always struggled with just sort of having a short attention span. And so being home, it's really hard to transition from one thing to another. Um, In some ways, I've really enjoyed that because I feel like I can work for a few hours and I can go downstairs and play with a dog or sit outside and then I can come back and work for a little more and then go help my son with his homework or come up with a new project to work on. And, you know, so like I've kind of enjoyed that flexibility of being able to go back and forth between things because in some ways that helps my lack of attention. But in other ways, it's really hard because I do feel like, Hmm. I don't know, like, like you said, there's that, not that routine, not that like, okay, I'm going to work now. I'm doing this. I'm doing that Hmm. kind of focus or, you know, such and such time my husband will get home but it's like no he's already here though he's actually does not have an attention disorder and (laughs) works from eight to five you know continually at a desk and my job has never been that way as a pastor i mean it's just just not the life (laughs) (laughs) he is a marvel um loves a man but yeah so we are very different though (laughs) Very different. <laughs> Complement each other well. Though. Well, but I guess just to piggyback off of Callie's point that she made, it is it is super hard to kind of, for me at least, to find some kind of regimen or kind of like a schedule for me because I think 
my attention span just sees something and it's like squirrel okay you know like so for me it's been super hard um i think i yearn for those days of like middle school and high school where the bell would ring and your 50 minutes in that class were done you know i i guess i have to train myself to do that here more at home and then i just you know i have never really been a homebody um i, I just really haven't um I always look forward to the weekend because, I mean, I have two gigs. Obviously, I work for Terry Tom, but I also do some extra work with a group in San Antonio. So my weekends are like treasure, you know, because that's the time that I get to hang out with my friends. That's the time where I get to, you know, get some self-care in and do things that I can't regularly do during the, the work week. So that's been a challenge. Um just kind of re reorganizing life to the new norm you know so and i mean it's just mm -hmm. this is this is like a selfish point right but it is a struggle so i mean everybody has their unique challenges right now and i'm sure some have you know higher priority than what i'm verbalizing right now but this is just like a personal struggle that i'm sure many people can relate to so i just wanted to share that yeah i, was, I think that's like i mean because work has been the great American distraction. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it's always, oh, work that, you know, whatever. Like that's the the, the crutch that so many um, can lean on. Um, and now that that for, I mean, a lot have lost work. And for a lot of us that still have it, it's still super, it's super different. Um, so it's a little bit of a different crutch. Well, and what's interesting for me is like, I am a homebody, like, honestly i'm still good being home like we're going on how many weeks and i'm like yeah i'm, I'm great i mean i do kind of miss going to target on occasion but like yeah you know whatever like this they is deliver. good for me um <laughs> i thought you were a bed you know. bath and beyond kind of gal <laughs> <laughs> their coupons never expire <laughs> just kidding they don't <laughs> well, uh. but like for me what i actually miss most is camping mm. and like what I'm yearning to do is to go out and spend time in the woods by myself. <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't know what that says about me, but I'm just like, man, I want to go camping so bad. And part of that's because that's usually like my aunt usually goes camping with me. And when my mama's alive, that's a thing that we did together. Well, that's your so, recharge, like, I, man. Like that's, that's yeah, but that's my recharge. Yeah. And so like my backyard, like I'm so grateful we have a backyard and I'm not in an apartment right now, but like it's pretty small. And I just like, I have, got to get to the woods um but yeah and it's kind of funny because i would expect to be like oh i need people i need to be at mm -hmm. a big you know but it's like no I'm, i i just want to be in the woods but we've had to cancel our backpacking trip that was planned um the end of the month because traveling to new mexico is not a good idea right now yeah so. well it's funny because i can i can recharge i'm definitely extroverted um i mean i was a double green on that berkman assessment that we took which for those of you who don't know, that means I'm like double, double extroverted and I recharge by being <laughs> around people. Um, and I've worked in music a lot of my life um, for, I mean, pretty much most of my career has been music oriented. Um, I like, you know, I enjoy the fast pace of that kind of stuff. I enjoy the fast pace uh, work of the the church world as well. Um, and I like the, the loudest, the, like the, in all senses onslaught makes me feel good. Like the pressure of mm things being big and fast makes me like, that's how I, I fuel myself. Um, and so for me, it's been tough, kind of like what Roland was saying. It, it's, you know, I, I miss being out at shows with friends and, you know, 
Um, and I can definitely recharge. There's definitely like a, uh, I call it my old man on the rocking chair on the porch, grouchy side of me that can just go back in my backyard and garden <laughs> and cook. And I cannot tell you, I think probably like six nights a week, I fire up the green egg to cook something that I probably don't need to cook just because it's so therapeutic for me to just sit there and poke a piece of meat that's being cooked over coals for like three and a half hours, you know? Um, so that, that's been like something that's kept me tethered, but yeah, I definitely kind of the, I've never done well with stillness myself. Um, stillness has always been kind of a hard thing for me. I've definitely have gotten better at it. Um, especially as I've gotten closer and closer to 30, um, the last like three or four years, I've made a lot of work on it. I like to think, um, but just that, like the trying to find growth in the stillness has been super tough. And it was so funny to me that like this kind of all happened around Easter because a big part of Christ's story of, of that has helped me become okay with the stillness is when he goes to the garden to pray before things get a little choppy. Um, <laughs> <That's an understatement. laughs> is when he's just like in that garden praying. And that, that's been such a huge thing for me, especially as I've gotten older. Um, kind of like, dare I say the simplicity of that scene. And like, whenever I, I read through that, I just kind of picture like this twilight kind of stillness. Um, and for whatever reason, it, like, even though there's about to be so much bad mojo that comes after that, um, yeah. there's something about that part of the story and the way that he navigates it that has given me so much confidence and does provide me so much peace. Um, and so that for me is where I see it, which I know is like probably the most cliche churchy answer no, for I where do you find stillness. I think it's beautiful. Um, there's, I can't remember which cantata it is. I've done so many different Easter cantatas, um, singing, but there's one that just had this really powerful song about Jesus saying, you know, stay awake and pray with me, stay awake mm -hmm. and pray with me. And it just kind of keeps repeating over and over again. Um, and, and it's such a haunting thing to think about of like, Jesus is wrestling with, I mean, I, it's not really inner demons because it's clearly yeah. <laughs> other things going on, but like he's wrestling with what's about to happen and just in this deep anguish. And yet the disciples next to him keep falling asleep and who hasn't been there. Right. Of just being like, God, I'm so tired. Like I just, ugh. Um, especially like things finally calm down and you're still and you're like, all right, I got this time, you know, but it's like, this is the time I should be praying. And then to just be like, yeah, nap sounds really good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I don't know, like I've just always found that so haunting in my own prayer life because I think it is so easy to just to fall asleep, to not pay attention to what's going on around us and mm -hmm. in other people's lives. Um, yeah. This is stillness is hard because it is so tempting to just sort of let it pass by. When I think it's like, it, it's like the, a, a prayerful stillness is the ultimate, like hurry up and wait pain, right? Like Amen. it's the biggest, it's, you know, it's, it's like the worst game of baseball ever. It's just like, you're just waiting for that pitch and you're just like, come on, throw it, throw it, throw it. You know what I mean? Or it's like, you just performed something and you're waiting for the judge to give your score. You know what I mean? It's like just the ultimate hurry up and wait. 
Um, and I think the, the confidence in it comes from the being sent action afterward. Um, and I think yeah. that finding how you need to be sent and where you should go and knowing where you need to go. Um, as I say, in most of these things and I always tell people, um, and for the third time, you know, if any of my youth are listening to this, they're going to roll their eyes. Cause I always am so passionate about your passions being an extension of faith. Um, and so knowing kind of where your passions are and where they can send you into the world can give you that confidence to know that in the stillness, you're a couple steps away from being sent where you need to go. Um, mm. And I think that's, that's kind of where that all kind of ties together in my big brain opinion, if you want to call it that, because I'm just so well read, you know. Callie's laughing at me off camera. You can't see it. But no, I'm not. I, I, I'm just, I, something has occurred to me about this scripture that I'm an eternal optimist, but also an eternal pessimist. And I've always like, whenever I hear the scripture about, you know, the birds who don't need to worry about stuff, I kind of roll my eyes at Jesus a little bit. Cause I kind of want to be like, yeah, but if there's a hurricane, like the birds are screwed <laughs> or what if, you know, like I always want to, I always want to be like, argue with Jesus and be like, well, it doesn't always work out for the bird um but of course i mean that comes back to the whole like but could you have stopped that um who can add a, um add to their life mm -hmm. but when you pair this with the other scripture about you know three chords woven together don't break what's interesting to me is thinking about the tree and the flowers and the grass and the bird all being in community together mm-hmm um, and supporting one another and kind of, you know, it's, it's an ecosystem. Like it's a, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just something that just occurred to me. I was like, you know, it really is that image of, yeah, you can't add a moment, but if we're together supporting each other and we've established those connections that can add yeah. to our lives. 100%. I don't know what you do with that, but I just, I like that you pulled those two verses together. Well, I love anything from Ecclesiastes, especially the, uh, is it Ecclesiastes three, the to everything in its due season? Maybe I'm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I had wanted to. Yeah. Ecclesiastes funny, my, three I, for everything there is a season yeah, and a time for every matter under heaven. Mm -hmm. A time to be born, a time to die, time to plant, and time to pluck up what is planted, time to kill, yeah, time to heal. So, I mean, right now, I think for for mo most people, the struggle is we don't we don't get to determine the timeline for now. You know, like we're working <laughs> on behalf of <laughs> the pandemic because we're trying to keep each other safe. Um, because we're trying mm -hmm. to keep vulnerable people from getting even more sick or complicating um, pre-existing conditions that they are may, that they may be, may already be suffering from. So I think with this time of pandemic, it should be something that we're proud of, right? That we were even capable of doing something like this as a society. That people didn't give in to their selfish ways. You know, and I'm sure people had their moments of weakness, which were all weak. You know, nobody can be 100% quarantiner. That's even a word. Um, yeah, it is we, we now. Just can't, it is we, now. <laughs> we as Christians aren't aren't told to live a sequestered life, right? 
we're told to make disciples of all nations. So of course we're going to have that internal struggle with, well, we can't even go out on the streets and go to our normal stores, you know, without a face mask. So these are just challenges that we have to overcome together. You know, um, uh, when I'm reminded of my weaknesses, I just think, how can I lean on others? Or who can I call right now that can just listen to me? Or who can I call right now that can actually provide some kind of, you know, pastoral care if I have that relationship with the pastor? Um, or if I just have a colleague that's in the same office with me, but we can't communicate the same way we used to. So there's there's new ways that we adapt, I think, but um, we do it together. So. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned in that role and is so important about the intentionality of that Um which I think is something we all need to be very clear on, both the intentionality of why we are mm-hmm. staying home and that it's not just about protecting ourselves, but about protecting others, which I think as things start to reopen, is going to be really hard because there's still going to be a need to do that, but it's not going to be as easy to do it as when we've all decided to do it together. Um, but the other part is in reaching out to people. I mean, I know, I feel like I'm, I'm a chorus about my dead mother, but... <laughs> And having lost my mom, you know, it's hard because there's things where I'm like, I want to call my mom and tell her something and talk to her about something. And so I've had to be really intentional in the past year and a half of my life of being like, okay, this is this type of victory. Like, who do I call and tell this to? You know, like today I texted a friend because I've been eating a little better um, and I'm kind of like seeing good things from that. And so I texted my friend who we share health problems with because we have a lot of the same ones. And I was like, hey, I just this is a small victory, but like I'm feeling good today, you know. I'm not sick. Yay. Um, But it's about finding community and finding people who can encourage us and lift us up and that we can return that um, and just be together. Because especially in this time, if you don't reach out, like you're going to live in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And, and I hope people go to church for fellowship, right? They don't go to just check it off the list. Right. So I hope that people, people that relied on church for that fellowship and maybe don't have the technology or computers or, you know, the devices to connect right now. I hope that they know that we're making every effort, you know, that's, that's something that I get caught up. I'm like, oh man, I haven't seen that one person in six or seven, eight weeks. And I know that they're probably not connecting at home through Zoom. So a lot of those people have been in my heart and in my prayers because you know we're going to be back together again um there's going to be a a time where we can gather again but um it's going to be something that we can kind of just it's like riding a bike so (laughs) we'll just get back on it and hope that something like this never happens again so Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's easy to get caught up in how Jesus studied scripture, um, but I think he balanced it. You know, he studied scripture. There were times he went off to be alone, and he also spent a lot of time around the table mm-hmm. with people, just eating food and talking and, you know, occasionally being like, do you really think that, you know? Um, and I think there's a well-roundedness in that, that we would do well to pay attention to, you know, it is about coming to worship and confessing our sins and these things, but it's also, we do that so that we know how to live in community and love one another in very real and tangible ways. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. one or the other. Yeah. And I I told this to Callie the other day and um, like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not packaging this as a, 
like, oh, I think this happened for this reason. I just think it's a lesson that I have found in this uh, regarding the kind of the stillness aspect we talked about of how I've done so much adjusting in my life to kind of get where I'm now working with the youth. Um, and I, you know, finally felt like I turned some corners in my life, um, got, the, got a house, got this job that I had wanted and all this kind of stuff. And then like, boom, like three weeks later, the <laughs> pandemic, the pandemic happened. Corona. And I told Callie, and I, yeah, I told Callie in a meeting the other week, I was just like, I went on a run and had some very choice, choice words for the big man upstairs. And I was just like, dude, I, 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 I did the dance. I did the thing. I'm here. Give me 10 minutes in the sun, man. That's all I'm asking for. 10 minutes. That's all I need. But it's just, I think that that was when I kind of really like, look in the mirror and that was i'm thinking of that because of what callie you just said about you know having jesus having a meal with somebody and be like well do you really you know and i kind of went on my little (laughs) prayer run that was was my response of like yeah i was pretty sure the world revolved around me too yeah (laughs) and i got back from my run i was like yeah i get it i'm not the only thing going on right now cool thanks yeah like the you know like the disgruntled teenager or whatever just like yeah i get it dad Uh, whatever (laughs) or fine or like me when i'm like our father who art in heaven do you really just have to stay up there? We really need you down here right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I used to do that as a kid. I'm like, man, I just really need him like right next to me right now. I just, and God is always around, you know, that's the power of the Holy spirit. And when we mature as Christians and when we really understand that we are never separated from God, right? He embraces us with his loving arms 24 seven, you know? And, and I remember those moments when, when I was separated from God, because we all go through it. And, and I hope that we all go through it and learn something from it because I learned that I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it on my own. You know, I was probably 18, 19 when I just kind of separated myself from my church family and just wasn't feeling very spiritually connected. And of course, you know, people would always check up on me and would ask how you, you know, how are you doing? We really miss your voice. And, and this comes back to those things. Well, did the church really, want me there or were they utilizing a talent and i struggled with that a lot um growing up because Mm. it was always like oh you you can sing come sing the song with us or you know you have to join the choir you have to do this and it was always kind of like somebody saw something in me but i hadn't seen it yet so i think this is a moment where we can just hope that we uh will eventually see a light at the end of the tunnel because I'm just yearning for that day when we can all gather again. And by God, I want some of that church lemonade. <laughs> and not in one of the small coffee cups, like in a big 12 ounce. It's <laughs> uh, the only way to have it. Um, but I think that's good for us today. Um did we answer oh, all four for those of, of those you, questions in that last prompt? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we did and more. Yes. Um, if you are listening to this, I hope you uh, got something out of it and, or at least enjoyed it. Um, and at least maybe laughed along with one of us at our super awesome, not corny jokes. Um, and uh, come back next week for more. Yeah. Is this Go where we sign off? <laughs> you be classy, San Diego. Bye, world. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs> <laughs>